This podcast is a presentation of Nags Head Church. Stay tuned and find us online at nagsheadchurch.com and on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Nags Head Church. For our guests, we're doing a series called Raising the Bar and mostly focusing on things Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount. And, he's, and he was saying to his disciples, listen, guys, here's what it's going to be like in my kingdom. You want to know what life is going to be like in my kingdom? I'm going to give you some things that are going to take place here. Here's going to be the, the rules, if you will, for living in my kingdom. And here's what life will be like. And so um, we're doing that all summer. Um, <clears throat> got four more weeks of it. And I'm looking forward to, uh, to all the messages. I, I won't be preaching them all. Our other elders will be coming and taking turns, as a couple of them have already. But I hope you'll be here and, um, and have your Bible ready to go. We're in Matthew 5 today, if you brought your Bible with you. Um, if you do not own a Bible, but you'd like to have a Bible, uh, we'll be glad to give you one. If you'll stop at our info center on the way out, we have some, have some Bibles back there, and we'd love to place one in your, in your hand as our gift to you. In a couple of our messages this, uh, in this series, Bernie used this idea, introduced this idea in, in the message that he brought last month, and I've followed up a couple times. And we've been using, talking about the idea of absolute truth. Absolute truth. And one of the things that absolute truth is, absolute truth is the, is the concept that some things are true. Listen to me, because this is not, you won't hear this in popular culture today. Some things are true whether we agree with them or like them. doesn't matter whether we agree with them or like them or not. They're true because God has declared them to be true. Right? Some things are just, just the way it is because God said so. Today, in our, in our message today in, in the series, Jesus isn't talking about absolute truth so much, but he's talking about you and me as his followers being truthful in the things we say. Now, Andy talked last week about the things we say and the words we say and how they need to to bring glory to God, and and, uh, we need to be careful and not use our our language, uh, potty mouth language, and so forth and so on. Uh, Today, Jesus is talking about our words being true. Do you remember your first lie? Anybody remember the first lie you told? And the answer is probably not. You might remember the last one you told. You might remember the biggest one you told, but you probably don't remember your first one. And you don't remember your first one because you probably told that lie when you were a toddler. We wanted attention as a baby. And we had it figured out, especially if we were, how many of you are firstborn in the family? Especially if you were the firstborn in the family, you figured out that if I cry, mom comes running in to pick me up and find out what's wrong with me. And we knew there's nothing wrong with me. I just want to be held, you know. I just want to see if you'll come running again. It's pretty cool. I can make mom do whatever I want. All I got to do is cry. You're not upset with anything. I wasn't hungry, and I'm a firstborn. I wasn't hungry. My diaper for the moment was okay. Mama would always check that. No, nothing down there. But I like to manipulate the adults, so I would lie. You see, we're all born as sinners, aren't we? We start sinning before we can remember it. You did that too, whether you're firstborn or not. You did that too. The problem was, if you weren't firstborn, 
mom probably didn't come running quite as fast because mom began to figure things out. Let him cry. Nothing wrong with him. So especially if you were, we were way down the list on the number of children, you probably cried a whole lot more than the firstborn did. <laughs> or you made a mess with the toys. Or some things that got you, that you got into that you weren't supposed to touch. And when you were discovered or the mess was discovered and you were asked the question, did you do that? The answer was no. I remember I had a brother, I have a brother, and, and he would lie about the reason why his bed would be wet in the morning. One time the dog did it. Another time he said, the window was open and it rained and came in. We learn to lie when we're very young, don't we? Nobody has to teach us to lie. In fact, we have to be taught, and you parents have taught your children this, and we were taught this by our parents, I hope. We were taught to tell the truth, were we not? Nobody had to say, here's how you lie, hopefully. But some people never learn to tell the truth. Have you met somebody like that? How many times on Live PD? That's become one of my favorite shows on television. Anybody else watch that show? Oh, man, it's wonderful. You're watching cops in real time pulling people over and arresting people and doing what cops do and do so well. How many times on that show does a police officer pull someone over and while searching their car, they find drugs? Only to hear the driver or the occupant say, those are not my drugs. Is that your car, sir? Yeah, but those aren't my drugs. Well, how did they get there? I have no idea. Some people lie all the time. In our series this summer, Jesus and Paul, we've been going to Paul's letter to the Ephesians, have been teaching us that God wants us to live as Christians with standards that are higher than what we might think is the minimum. Thus, every Sunday we see Jesus or Paul raising the bar a little bit more. And the reason is this. God doesn't want good enough from us. He wants us to live, Christian, get this, he wants us to live better than good. Not in order to earn or to merit salvation from him. Salvation doesn't come from our goodness. It comes from his grace. When we believe that the only one who was good enough died in our place. So in this series, particularly in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus again is teaching his disciples that in his kingdom, which is yet to come, in his kingdom, the bar is raised higher. So why do we have to worry about that now? Because if his kingdom's not here, why do I need to know these things? Because church, as we say over and over again, this life is what? Dress rehearsal for that time. We're getting ready for it. We're preparing for it. I want you to look with me at Matthew 5, beginning in verse 33. Again, he said, and he says again because he's used this several times already in this passage, referring them back to their law as Jews, the law that Moses got from God and that Moses gave to the people, especially, for example, the Ten Commandments. Again, he said, you've heard that it was said to our ancestors, quoting from the law, you must not break your oath, but you must keep your oaths to the Lord. But I tell you, there's something new. He's raising the bar. Get ready. But I tell you, 
don't take an oath at all, either by heaven, because it's God's throne, or by the earth, because it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, because it is the city of the great king. They had a practice in their day that they would swear by the name of God, that they would swear by by earth uh, and all that's in it, that they would swear by the city of Jerusalem. He said, don't do that anymore. Neither should you, verse 36, should you swear by your head. Now, when I use the word swear, and I'll probably say this again in the message, when we think of swearing, what do we think of, Steve? Cussing, yeah. And I hope today God convicts you um, in your heart of, of cussing, all right? Um, just kidding, you don't, I don't think you, I've ever heard, I've never heard you cuss. He just pointed at you, Carol. I know better than that. When he's using swearing here, he's not talking about cussing. You should not swear by your head because you cannot make a single hair white or black. Now, this is the days before Lady Clairol and all that kind of thing, all right? Grecian formula. (laughs) But naturally, you can't change your hair color. So don't swear by your head. Somebody needs to turn off their phone, don't they? Amen. If it goes off again, you've got a lot of people to take out to brunch. That's the rule. And we'll be hungry. We'll just follow you wherever you go, all right? He says, but let your word yes be yes and your no be no. Anything more than this is from the evil one. See, oaths and swearing were important parts of the Jewish culture in the first century. Today, we don't practice that very often. Maybe when we need to legally confirm that we're telling the truth, and, and usually when we, do, we, when we do that, it's either in a courtroom setting or maybe we, we're in front of a notary public and we sign our name and the notary stamps it and signs that person's name to it to say this, they're proving to me that this is the truth. Maybe a politician or military member law enforcement, they swear to uphold the Constitution of the United States. I, by the way, can I make a little, I shouldn't do this. First, they need to read the Constitution to know what it says. All right, I'm done with that. (laughs) But we've all heard someone tell a story. We've all heard this and maybe done this. And wanting to believe will say, I swear, I'm telling the truth. Sometimes they'll add force to it. I said, I swear on my mama's grave, something like that, you know. And we do that for one reason. Why do we feel that that's necessary? And the reason that we do that is because we're sinners and everybody knows sinners can lie. So we try to cover up ourselves and prove that we're telling the truth. Now, the Old Testament law that these Jewish people actually knew commanded them to swear their oaths in the name of God. Deuteronomy 6.13 says, Fear the Lord your God, worship him and take your oaths in his name. Deuteronomy 10.20, you are to fear the Lord your God and worship him, remain faithful to him, and take oaths in his name. I mean, twice within just a little bit of time, it says that. Two times, and then 
those two commands are going back and really emphasizing what was said in the Ten Commandments. Exodus 20, verses 3 to 5, the Ten Commandments say this, do not have any other gods before me. Do not make an idol for yourself, a false god, whether in the shape of anything in the heavens above or on the earth below or in the waters under the earth. You must not bow down to them or worship them. There's a connection. I don't know if you see this or not, but a connection between what you swear upon and what you worship or who you swear upon, whose name and who you worship. God's people were to worship and serve him and him alone, to have no other gods, and they were to swear by his name alone because he's the one true God. Then the Ten Commandments, we also have this one a little bit farther in verse 7 of Exodus 20. Do not misuse the name of the Lord your God. If you grew up like I did on the King James, it says take not the name of the Lord your God in vain. A lot of interpretations of what that means. Don't misuse the name of the Lord your God because the Lord will punish anyone who misuses his name. Now he's commanded them several times, these Jewish people, to swear by his names. And then he urges them, he commands them, he warns them in that seventh verse in, that ten, in the Ten Commandments, don't take my name lightly. Don't falsely swear by my name. Why not? Because as we sang here just a few moments ago, it is a holy name. We, we hear that word, we use it so often in church that I think sometimes we forget what it means. It is a name above all names. There is no other name like the name of Jesus. There is no other name like the name Yahweh. It's a holy name. Don't swear falsely by his name. To misuse the name of God in our speech, and I see it, hear it often by people. I see it on Facebook, people and Christian people. We'll put these letters after something they post. OMG, you've just sworn by the name of God. And I think we take the name of God lightly sometimes, or we'll say, you'll hear people use the name Jesus Christ as an exclamation. And I've heard the name Jesus Christ used in profane ways, by the way, by folks. Take the name of the Lord God lightly, as though his name is something trivial. So in the Old Testament, which would include the culture of these Jews that are hearing Jesus here, the oaths were to be sworn in God's name only. They were to affirm important matters, not trivial things. And they were to be absolutely true if you use God's name. They used oaths back in their days to resolve disputes, to seal uh, agreements, contracts, covenants. Hebrews 6.16 says, For men swear by something greater than themselves, and for them a confirming oath ends every dispute problem in Jesus' day was this. The Pharisees, we've talked a good bit about the Pharisees in this series, very religious zealots, religious, uh, they were so, so caught up in the law and keeping the law. They were famous for their oaths, for the least little things, least the smallest little things they would swear by the name of God. And then they would get back, they would back out of what they said by after they swore, and then they could come back later and say, well, you know, I swore by heaven, 
I swore by the earth, I swore by Jerusalem, I swore by my own head, I did not use God's name when I made that promise. So you can't hold me to it. They were, they found these loopholes, you know. They thought they found ways to get around their oaths, or so they thought until what Jesus says here, and he raises the bar, and Jesus says all that stuff. Oh, I use Jerusalem, my head, the earth, my mama's grave, whatever it might be. So that's all bogus. He says, cut it out. It all belongs to or was created by God. You're not that almighty. Your head is not that almighty. God created it. By the way, Jesus wasn't prohibiting swearing or taking an oath. He wasn't saying you can't do that. Some have interpreted Jesus here as saying it's wrong for a Christian to put his hand on the Bible before testing in court, testifying in court. That's not what he said here. Please understand, by swearing here, he doesn't mean using, again, profanity. Andy covered that, that kind of language last Sunday. In fact, we know Jesus swore under oath. When he was asked by the high priest, are you the son of God? He said, he said by an oath, are you the son of God? And Jesus answered him. It's in Matthew 26, 63 and 64. The apostle Paul did as well in 2 Corinthians 1, 23. He said, I call on God as a witness against me. That's a, he's swearing on, by God. It was to spare you that I did not come to Corinth. But just like the Pharisees in Jesus' day, there are people who will put their hand on the Bible in a courtroom, tell the truth, hold truth, nothing but the truth. And what's the last part of that? So help me God. And then sit down and tell lies. They will. We call that perjury. God calls it something more serious. God calls it blasphemy. So Jesus raises the bar. It's pretty simple for those looking for ways to circumvent the law to do so, and the Pharisees had found ways to do that. But Jesus says in verse 37, let your yes be yes. If you say yes, then it's yes. Tell the truth. Let your no be no. And he says anything more than that that you have to add to embellish it is from the evil one. You shouldn't, Christian, he says, in my kingdom, you're not going to need to do that. You're either going to tell the truth or you're not. For those of us who claim him as our king, one way we prepare for the kingdom is by telling the truth. We are to be people of the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. But we shouldn't have to swear to make people believe it. Our character, our reputation, our testimony, the fact that Jesus Christ indwells us, the Holy Spirit indwells us, that ought to be enough for people to know if he says it, he, it's true. He's a man of his word. So what's our relationship to the truth? Let me give you several things this morning. First of all, the truth resides in us. John 1.17 says, Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ, our Savior, resides in us. John 8.32 says, You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. By the way, we all know this, and we teach our children this. Lies do nothing but entangle us in a web, don't they? I mean, just We have to keep lying and lying some more to cover it up. It gets worse and worse. In John 17, 17, 
Jesus prayed and he said these words, make them, talking about as us, he's praying for us, make them holy by your truth. Your word, he said, is truth. The truth sets us apart from the world. The truth makes us different. 1 Corinthians 13, 6 tells us that the truth brings us joy, causes rejoicing. The truth. Ephesians 4, 25. Read that one with me. It's up on the screen. Let's read it all together, all right? Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to his neighbors for all members of one body. Speak truthfully to your neighbors. Since the truth resides in us, think about this. The truth, Jesus Christ, is the way, the truth, and the life. Since he resides in me, I have ready access 24-7, don't I? There's never a minute, a moment that goes by in my life that I don't possess the truth in my life. I can live it and I can speak it at any moment, at any time. Nothing can force me to tell a lie unless we choose not to. Number two, what about the truth and our relationship to it? The truth is to be spoken in love. Ephesians 4.15 says, instead we will speak the truth in love. In other words, we will couch it with love. When we speak the truth, it's because of love. 1 John 3.18, little children, we must not love in word or speech, but in deed and truth. Psalm 141.3, I have this verse on a piece of paper taped to the front of my computer in my office. It's a regular prayer for me. Lord, set a guard, set up a guard for my mouth. Keep watch at the door of my lips. Help me speak the truth in love. Colossians 4.6, your speech should always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you should answer each person. Now, here's what the Bible's telling you and me as Christians. Get this. The filters for our language, whether it's the words, the vocabulary we use, whether it's whether or not we speak the truth, the filters for our language are love and grace. Love and grace. Hear what I'm about to say. Just because it's true does not mean we have to say it. Do you understand what I'm saying? That's not always the grace. Do we tell a lie? No. But we don't have to say it just because it's true. You ever notice that little kids don't have filters? I won't tell you which one of my children, but one of my children, when, when, uh, when, when he or she was little, trying to protect the identity, was with, with mom going through the cashier line at the grocery store. And the cashier was, as Gail would say, she was a bit fluffy. Well, my child didn't think that. My child said, Mama, that woman's fat. <laughs> Children don't have those filters yet. We have to teach them those filters and help them understand filters. Why? Why do we have to teach them, by the way? Because filters come with maturity. And a mature Christian filters his words with love and grace. 
Do I have to say that? Does it need to be said? It may be true, but does it absolutely have to be expressed? Point number three. No one missed heaven because they were told the truth. But many have missed heaven because they never heard the truth. Did you get that? No one will miss heaven because they were told the truth, but many will miss heaven because they've never been, they've never heard the truth. Ephesians 1.13 says this, in him, Christ, in him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in him, when you believed. You heard, and, and, and I, I told you a little bit ago that my spiritual birthday is coming up this week. 10-year-old boy, I kept hearing Sunday after Sunday the truth of the gospel from that pastor. And the Holy Spirit began to convict me and say to me, if you will, Rick, you're not going to heaven. I was 10. I wasn't a bad kid, but I was a sinner, and I knew that. I knew sins that I committed that my mom and dad didn't know anything about. How about you? But my heavenly father knew about them. And I, I heard the truth of the gospel and then I believed in him. Romans ten fourteen says, but how can they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how can they believe without hearing about him? And the answer is very simple to that. They can't. People cannot believe without hearing the gospel. If you're a Christian, you know, as a Christian, you know that you possess God's gift of everlasting life. You know your sins are forgiven. You possess the joy and peace of Christ. You know that this life that you have because you've trusted Jesus is the best life anybody could ever have. Nothing else provides what you have as a believer in Jesus. And you know that's true don't you? You know that unless someone in your past, it might have been a parent, a friend, a Sunday school teacher, a pastor, a co-worker, somebody in your life, in your past, you know that unless that person shared the truth of salvation in Christ plus nothing with you, you would not be a Christian today. We owe a debt to that person, don't we? For doing what? For speaking truth into our lives so that we could have everlasting life. Somebody told you the truth of the gospel. And Christ's expectation from you and from me, here's what he expects. And this is what Jesus was saying. He expects that we in turn speak the truth in our lives always. And I don't want to say especially as though it means, and, and more so, he expects us to speak the truth in our lives at work with our kids, with our parents, with our coworkers, with our boss, with that police officer who pulls us over. He says, do you know how fast you were going? And then when he tells us how fast we were going and you, you say, you respond with, there's no way. Well, would you like to see my radar? Yeah. 
He expects us to tell the truth, but especially, if you will, he expects, expects us to tell the truth by telling others the story of how we came to faith in Christ. That's the greatest truth you and I could ever say. And no one, by the way, well, and I know some people say, well, Rick, that's why we invite our friends to come to church to hear you tell it. I can't tell your story like you. I mean, I can tell your story if I know it, but it doesn't have the impact that it has, it would have unless you told it. That truly is speaking the truth in love. Let your yes be yes, Jesus said. Let your no be no. Let's be people who speak the truth. Let's practice that now. Getting ready for the kingdom. Would you bow with me in prayer? Our Father, we, we live in a time when it seems like the truth is missed by a lot of people. A lot of people don't tell the truth and exaggerate. We swear by things. And your son says, no, no, no. You're in my kingdom. You be a man or woman of truth. Help us to use the filters of love and grace. But help us above all to be honest. Help us to be ready if somebody asks us about the hope that's within us, in us to be able to speak the truth to them and share the gospel, the greatest truth that ever was told. Somebody today, Lord, may be squirming a little bit because in their lives they're not being truthful about things, maybe with their folks they work with, maybe with their spouse they're hiding things. They're not honest. Lord, you still look to us, look for us to be like Jesus who is the truth. May we Use our words to speak it in a loving and gracious way. And may we, when opportunity arises, may we be free and empowered by your spirit to share the truth of the gospel. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Let me wrap it up. One more point in our message today. Jesus won't allow for any loopholes, Christian, none. In our interactions with other people when it comes to the truth, it's in our business, our employment, our tax returns. We're not Pharisees. We're not looking for ways to bend the law or tell the truth, what we might call a little white lie. I remember when I first moved to the Outer Banks in 1980. Six, I got a job, part-time job working at a motel at the front desk. And um, any of you staying in a motel this week? Anybody ever stayed in a motel? The manager, he had been in the motel business for a long time, an older gentleman. 
And he pulled me aside one day. He said, now listen. He said, um, sometimes we hold rooms for the last minute. And he said, so when we do that, we may have people come in looking for a room. And he says, so we may tell them we're sorry. We're all filled up. And he said, so sometimes I need you. He said, <laughs> I remember he said these words. He said, now I'm not asking you to lie. That's what he said to me. And I looked at him and I didn't let him finish what he was going to say and, and say. And I said, good, because I won't. He wanted me to tell people that there were not rooms available when there were. And I said, I'm not going to do that. He didn't fire me. He knew I was a Christian. That's why I said, I'm not going to ask you to lie. But that's what he was doing. Jesus expects us to be people of the truth. And even sometimes we, what we call, we, we kind of downplay it by saying, well, it was a little white lie. It was, remember the word we used when we were kids, fib. Last point in your notes. Being honest will never hurt your reputation and your character. Will not. Kingdom living means our word is our bond. This has been a presentation of Nags Head Church. Love God, love others, reach the world.